Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, folks, to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My guest today is Brian Hartzer. Brian, how are you today? I'm well, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Excellent. I appreciate you. Uh, you know, you're on the other side of the world today, uh, at least for me. I don't know about our listeners, but I'm really excited to be able to chat with you and learn about your experience and, and what you're working on right now. So, so for our audience, so Brian is the chairman of Before Pay. He's also the former CEO of Westpac Banking Group in ANZ. And then you're also uh, involved with several other companies, if I've understood that as well, uh, Brian. Is that true? Yeah, that's that's right. I'm, I'm spending a lot of time in the startup world, but I also do a bit of consulting to larger companies as well here and there. Really interested in data, fintech, um, things like that. Cool. And you just wrote a book as well? I did. Yeah. Um, I tried to share the one thing that I thought I'd really learned that might be useful to other leaders, which is uh, it's a book called The Leadership Star, A Practical Guide to Building Engagement. And it's uh, it's all about staff engagement and what does an individual leader need to do as opposed to relying on the HR department to work on staff engagement issues. Cool. Awesome. So I guess we could start there. What had you write the book and, and what are some of the most exciting parts about it as you went through that process of distilling you know, 20, 30 years experience into a practical guide? What were some of those big kind of ahas and takeaways as you summed up your career? Yeah, sure. Well, I don't have an MBA and I found myself about, I started out as a management consultant and um, 10 years in, one of my clients hired me to run the credit card business of this bank in Australia. And I suddenly found myself managing a thousand people and thinking, uh-oh, I need to figure out how to do this. And at the time, we used to do a lot of staff engagement surveys. And the once a year, the HR department would come and take me through the results. And they'd say, you know, communications is up this year and your overall score is this and satisfaction with pay is this and, and so on. And, and after a couple of years of this, I said, okay, but what do I personally need to do? And they couldn't help me. And, and that just bothered me. And so over the next few years, I started really paying attention to leaders who were successful at driving engagement. I had a, a basic belief that if you could get people emotionally committed to their work, then you were more than likely going to do better and, and outperform. And, uh, and so started focusing on it and uh, it worked. And um, over the years, we started getting really good engagement scores. We started seeing our, our business performance, our market share go up dramatically. And so my, one of my colleagues in another part of the bank one year said, can you come talk to my team about what it is you're doing? And so I went along and being a good ex-consultant, I made this big long list and then said, well, you can't have more than five things on it. So I, I boiled it down to five things and shared that with, with that team. And uh, they said, oh, gee, that's, that's pretty helpful. And so I turned it into a PowerPoint presentation. I started giving it to my managers and my businesses. They found it really helpful. And then years later, someone, one of my communications advisors said, you know, you really ought to put this in a book. And I said, oh yeah, that's sure. I'm busy. But then, uh, then I, I left Westpac, lockdown happened. And I thought, well, maybe now's the time to, to write all this down. And I just tried to think of it as the book I wish I had had 20 years ago when I was starting out trying to figure out, okay, how do you, how do you actually do this leadership thing? What do I do on Monday? It's great. You can read all these. I read all these leadership books. Going, that's really interesting, but forgotten what it said by the end and didn't really know how to put it into practice. And so I tried to think about, okay, what, what can I share that's actually going to be useful to people? And, and that's what the book is. Cool. 
what do you think people get wrong about it? And I ask that because, you know, some CEOs that I talk to, they're just so in the trenches. And the nice thing about a consultant is you're kind of able to have that strategic mind to, to step away. But I guess, what do people get wrong about it? And then how do you balance that, hey, working on the business and in the business as a CEO? So I'll let you take either of those however you want to take it. Yeah, sure. Well, I think people tend to go to one of, one of the two extremes, I think. It, in a way, you've, you've highlighted the point in the way you asked the question. I think either they get so into the detail and making micro decisions and focusing on what's going on that they're not focusing on the people and the emotional engagement of those people. Um, they're not demonstrating care for people as individuals and uh, and taking the time to really make people feel valued and make them feel like you've got their best interests at heart because you're so focused on the business. Or at the other extreme, they get too conceptual. You know, there's a lot of talk that, oh, you've got to empower your people. You've got to delegate, which, of course, that's true. But I, I personally think that's a bit overdone in the advice business and that what it what it causes people to do is become disconnected from what their people are actually dealing with day to day, the the barriers that they're running into, the lack of clarity on on what good looks like and what great looks like in their role, and and, and the lack of context. They don't they don't necessarily understand how their role links to some broader purpose. And so it's it's working through things like that and and making sure that you're willing to operate or able to operate at a at a high level to give people that context, but also from time to time to dig in to the individuals, to their, to their specific experience, and are taking steps to make, make their lives easier, help them be successful on whatever terms uh, matter to them. And, and did you have a set of practices that in your time at CEO of these multiple organizations that you said, you know, here's what I need to do over a week, or, you know, how did you operationalize that high engagement and, and, and make yourself a, a plan to action that? Yeah, well, that's actually one of the key things I recommend in the book is that that you do need to actually plan ahead a bit. So the way I think about this, the, the book talks about a five-point framework, which at five things that start with C. I call it the leadership star because there's five points on a star, and I, I hope people can remember a star, then go, okay, five, star, five points, five Cs. So the five Cs are care, context, clarity, clearing the way, and celebrate. And and I, if you want, I can talk about any of those. But the idea is that you think about over the course of a year, in my case, I used to plan my years out in advance and just say, okay, for each of my stakeholder groups, how am I going to demonstrate those five C's at some point through the year? How frequently do I need to do it? How am I going to do it? And it didn't mean that I had every moment of every day scheduled, but I would use that as a, as a checklist to make sure that I was actually getting out and doing those, those broad things at some point. And I would plan out how often do I want to do this, do that planning at the beginning of each year, usually in January. And, and then that would become a, a framework for actually scheduling the activities that I would go and do. And I found that really helped make sure that, because you get busy, right? I mean, it's, it's hard to keep all these things in your head. So if you don't plan out a bit, it's really easy to forget to get, uh, daily recognition going on uh, or or making sure that you're talking to people at different levels and reminding them about why their role is important, uh, those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the ways that we kind of look at it is like from a stakeholder engagement perspective meets communication plan and making sure that you're starting with that. And I think a lot of CEOs and leaders 
they get so worked up with the details of their plan. They're like, hey, I've got a plan and I've got to do all this operational stuff, but they forget the environment around it. And, and Brian, what I'm hearing is that you're like, hey, for you to be successful and how you've been successful is making sure not just your internal environment, like your direct team members, but everybody that's evolved in kind of the ecosystem or I'll say solar system, because you talk about a star, everybody has to have that that connection and be on the same page for you to be able to move such big things like banking and finance that have so many like uh, legal and privacy, like so many different requirements that in order to move an industry like that forward and a company like that forward, you need to make sure that everybody uh, from a micro to a macro level is is on the same page and bought it. Does that make sense? That's so right. That's so right. You, you could almost have written the book because there's, there's a whole chapter on communications in there and talking about how you plan that out. And you're exactly right. I mean, one of the things I used to think about a lot is I had 40,000, in some cases, 50,000 people working for me. How do you have an impact beyond the eight or 10 people that are your direct reports, the people you, the 20 people you deal with every day? And so actually thinking strategically about what are the symbolic acts I can do? What are the things that are going to allow the broader organization to connect to the messages that I'm trying to get out there and to make sure that they're, they're feeling the same sort of connection that maybe the people I can directly affect are feeling? Yeah. I, cool. I love that. So this might not be in the book. Are there <laughs> any times in your career that you kind of just like got your butt handed to you and, and it was kind of like a reflection <laughs> where you said, Hey, you know, I, I need to like, how do I avoid this happening again? Or, you know, some, some really key learnings that shaped you as a, like as a person, but also as a leader. Absolutely. We don't have time for it now, but I did a whole presentation at one point of speech called um, how my failures created my success. So I think the reality is you you do learn from those things that go wrong. I mean, there's one thing that is not related to the topic we were just talking about, but which I think is one of the main lessons I like to share with people. About five years into my my leadership career, we had a big accounting error in a business I was running. Nothing, not, not my fault, but happened on my watch. And we had to take a big write down. And um, my boss at the time, the CEO of the company, was was pretty upset. He he tore me a new one in public at, at one of our analyst meetings um, about it. And I felt pretty miserable for a couple of couple of months. And uh, and one day, one of my colleagues said to me, "You know, look, I get that you feel bad, and and it's good that you feel bad, but I'd like to see a little less feeling bad and a little more focus on fixing it." And then someone else said to me, "You know, the problem here is that when things are going well, you thought you were great." And now that things aren't going well, you think you're terrible. And actually, neither of those is true. And you need to separate how you feel about yourself from how you feel about the business success. And, and that was a profound bit of advice for me because it, it, it's so easy when you're ambitious to get caught up in, okay, we've had a great month. We've had a great quarter. I must be a terrific leader. And then all of a sudden you have a bad one and then you feel miserable and you get on this ro emotional roller coaster. And, and I found that by actually saying, well, no, th there's a lot of randomness that happens in business and in life. And there's things that can go wrong that you can't control. And so my mantra has become all I can do is all I can do and it'll be what it'll be. And so my sense of how I evaluate myself is, am I conducting myself in accordance with my, what, I, what I think are my values? Am I treating people well? Am I working hard? Am I, am I working smart? Am I emotionally available in my family, my friends? Am I looking after myself physically? Am I, am I, and all, and if, if those things are true, then I'm okay. 
And, you know, I want it to go well. I care, I care about it going well. But I recognize, particularly as you get into a more senior position, there's just stuff that can happen that you can't, you can't control. And, the, and it, it doesn't make sense to let that knock your world over. You know, you just have to kind of keep going and doing your best. And, uh, and that was hugely helpful to me because in, in the roles I was in, we had so many crises and so many stresses and so many issues to deal with that you could easily become completely dysfunctional as a human if you allowed yourself to be buffeted around by that. So hopefully that's helpful to some people. Hey, sorry to interrupt. It's Anthony here again. I just wanted to let you know if you're enjoying today's episode, I'd love it if you could give us a review and a comment to let us know where you're listening from. It means a lot to us. It helps us with the algorithm. It also helps us get into the hands of more people so that we can keep bringing great guests onto the show. So please do that. Also, if you or your team are planning a strategic planning offsite coming up, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to see if we're a fit to facilitate, to support you and your team getting on the same page and getting clear about where you want to go. So you can visit smestrategy.net or click the link in the description. We'd appreciate both of those things. And now get us back to the episode. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really great point to reflect and, and re-listen to folks. I just get back, you know, two minutes and hear that again. And I think sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the work that we're doing and then the person that we are. And, and yeah. I think, you know, it That's might it. be humbling to imagine that like, if you weren't there, somebody would replace you, but your family, friends and yourself like couldn't replace you. So making yeah. sure that you, you know, look at yourself completely in that and do your best and, and manage yeah. what you can. Right. Well, I, I just think it's such, it's such a natural thing when, when you're ambitious and you're working hard, it's a really easy trap to fall into. Because, you know, you're, you're evaluating early on in your career. It's, am I any good? Am I, am I going to be successful? Your measure of that is, am I getting promoted? Am I getting a bonus? Am I, you know, am I getting new responsibilities? Is, is my title improved? You know, all those sorts of things. And it's really easy to fall into the trap of thinking that's what matters. And, it, and, and I just, I think it's really important to keep that kind of emotional distance. Yeah, the context. Well, one of the things that I found in my career that really, it was a big turning point for me because I realized I had high highs and low lows and neither of them was helpful because I would get too high on myself, which then would put me in a low and then I'd have to like pull myself back up. So I really worked on kind of being more consistent. So true. So true. I, I used to, I completely agree. I used to have this uh, habit when my CFO would come into my office every month and say, right, he'd say, boss, we had a great month. And, and I would say, well, that's good. You know, what happened? What drove it? Do we need to learn anything? Do we need to do anything different? And then sometimes he'd walk in and say, boss, we had a shocker. It was a terrible month. And I'd say, okay, well, that's a shame. What, what happened? <laughs> what do we need to learn? And I just, and I found making sure I didn't get overly excited about the good stuff helped me be more resilient to the bad stuff. Cool. So just as a going back to kind of a, like not the mistakes piece of it, but I've talked to a lot of senior leaders and CEOs, they have so much on their plate. They like take a lot on their plate. And in order to be able to manage your stakeholders and manage a team and, you know, deliver on that communication, all the stuff you talked about earlier, sometimes your plate gets full. How have you managed in the past having kind of more stuff to do than time energy? And maybe in that process, you might have, and I'm not saying, I think it happens to everybody where we wish we were more responsive. We were wish more, like, how do you manage expectations? I guess, how do you manage expectations when you're working with such uh, large and various groups like that? Yeah. 
Well, I think a couple of things. One is you have to acknowledge that's always going to be true. I think people go around looking for some magic secret to make their life all be completely organized and disciplined. And, and there's a reality that there's always going to be this morass of stuff that you have to deal with. That, that's just reality. But what you can do is you can say, I have some discretionary time and I have some perception of what's really going to matter over the medium term. And, and so let me make sure that I spend at least a good portion of my discretionary time on things that are going to move the needle long-term and try and carve that out. And then, and then frankly, you just do your best with everything else. Uh, and I found that um, if people understand that that's what you're doing and, and you feel like uh, you're moving the needle on the big, on the big agenda, then, then other things can, can get done or fall off the plate a bit and it's not the end of the world and you don't feel like you're not getting anywhere. I think one other trick that I've found, it's a funny little specific thing, but there's lots of good ideas. There's lots of, um, the, the world in business has got no lack of, of good initiatives or good ideas. And the debate often in a company becomes, people think, is, is this a good idea or a bad idea? And you have this whole debate about the business case for this project or that project. And what I found that's helpful to say is, you know, that's a really good idea and we're going to do it in phase two. So the discussion becomes not, is this is a binary? Yes, we, if we need to do it, we need to do it now. We can say, that's a really good idea. And I'm going to deal with that next month, or I'm going to deal with that next quarter. And I found it's a weird little thing, but psychologically people can, can deal with that versus feeling that if you're saying no, or you don't have time to do something that somehow that's a judgment that they're not, their idea isn't good or they're not important. It's a funny little thing, but it's just, I found it, it's a useful way to, to navigate some of these things. Well, otherwise, you can like if all of these inputs are coming at you or conversely, if you have to go out, it's impossible to manage. And so like when you were talking about engaging with with like everyone around you, you're saying, hey, I have to do this over the year. So you're not front loading saying, hey, I need to do everything for everybody in the first quarter. It's I just need to make sure I tick these boxes and, and do a good job of doing it progressively. And then on a weekly level, hey, what do I need to do here and here without overwhelming yourself with everything? And that's kind of an undertone to what I hear about, you know, one of the things that's made you a success as a as a CEO and a success as a chairman is managing yourself you know, making sure that like your perception is right, your disc time is managed, you have a good balance. And then really like you've got a, a line of sight into a lot of those things so that it's manageable and so that you can actually make sure everything gets done. That's what I'm hearing. I don't know if that's how you've, you've seen your career. Yeah, uh, it, it is. And I've evolved into it. And you, you learn to adjust by, by just finding yourself overwhelmed and learning to cope. And I guess where I've landed is in a way, some of that stuff that's in the, in the great seven habits of highly effective people stuff, it's you know, putting first things first in, in a way is it's just, I've tried to go back to asking myself, okay, what's really important here. What's the thing that's really going to matter. What's the thing that's really going to move the needle. You know, in, in some of the businesses I ran, I noticed one year that um, looking back on the financial success of our business, it was, we did loads of stuff, but typically it, w it was one or two big decisions that really made the difference. And so I got into the habit at the start of every year saying to myself, okay, what do I think the big decisions are that are going to really matter this year? And let's try and bring those decisions forward rather than let them just emerge through the course of the year. Because the sooner you make a decision, the sooner it has an impact on, on your financials or, or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. I guess it's a mental discipline around what's, what's the big thing? What's the thing that really, really matters here? 
and trying to make sure that you carve out time to deal with that and then and do your best on everything else. Awesome. I got that. So shifting gears a little bit, looking forward uh, with either before pay or any of the organizations that you're working with now, what are some of the things that excite you about the businesses you're involved in? Uh, what are some of the things that are challenging you? And then if you want to go without spilling any secret sauce, you know, what are the things that you, you want to work on and tackle in this, you know, kind of next couple of years uh, in your roles? Yeah, well, in financial services, it's such an interesting time where consumer needs are changing and expectations are changing. I mean, we've talked, everyone's been talking about the impact of digital, for example, during lockdowns and, and the rest of it. And so that's changing how people want to receive services. You've got the aging of the baby boomer cohort, which is starting to have a real major impact on spending across Western economies and what services people want and, and so on. So I think that's really interesting. And then technology has become so much cheaper and easy to deploy and modularized that the ability to create new businesses that solve old problems or anticipate new needs, I, I just think is really, really interesting. And and so I've spent a lot of my time on startups that are doing that. So before pay is a pay in advance business that allows people who are living paycheck to paycheck to access their pay before before it comes in. I'm involved with another company called Rejig, which is an HR technology business that allows large companies to build profiles of all the employees that work there and identify the skills and experiences that they have so that they can more easily tap into the latent talent potential. The mantra of the company is zero wasted potential. A big problem in big companies is you hire someone and a year later you've forgotten everything they've done before and they just become the person who's doing X today. And so companies are missing out on taking advantage of of the talent that's embedded in in them. And technology creates a way to solve that, which I think is really interesting. And then I'm working on a, a startup that's still in uh, so-called stealth mode at the moment, which is is looking at helping uh, affluent baby boomers help their kids buy homes and you know how do kids get on the on the property ladder, which is which is really interesting. Um, so I, I just think that there's a, a a bunch of demand and a bunch of capabilities that are really, really interesting and you don't have to tackle it in a large corporate environment. And I'm, I'm just really enjoying the creative process of being involved in these, in these startups. It's, it's just a lot of fun. I've enjoyed my time in, in, in big banks, but I'm, I'm loving my time in startups. Oh, well, I look forward to your next book about all the things that you learned in startup land coming from a big established <laughs> uh, financial CEO. Cause uh, it's definitely different. It's a different game for sure. And uh, what I think is really cool out of all the organizations that you're involved with, you're solving new problems, like problems that I don't think really were at the forefront 10, 20, 30 years ago. Um, and I think it'll be really interesting how the world moves into solving those problems, but using your uh, experience and expertise as a CEO to be able to move those forward. So I'm super excited for that. Uh, also excited for your book, uh, you know, Leadership Star. I think it's a great pickup for anybody. Uh, I can totally plug people's books. So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, thank uh, you. Plug away. Yeah. But really, in my experience, dealing, working with senior leaders and CEOs, you know, any framework you can have to structure your communication, get buy in, drive change is going to be critical. So Brian, I know that's going to be at the forefront of your next roles and, and listeners. I know it's something that you're going to take in for the rest of your career. So having two or three tools uh, in your pocket can, can make a big difference there. So Brian, where can people connect with you? Where can they learn more about the organizations that you're involved in? 
Well, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, easy to find there, and uh, and there's a website called www.theleadershipstar.com, all one word, which if you sign up there, you can get a free chapter of the book, um, which gives you the basic framework. But uh, but LinkedIn is, is easy as well. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on to share because I, I know what you shared was simple, but to be able to make something complex, simple, takes years of experience. And I'm grateful that you came on to uh, chat with me and chat with our audience today. Thanks, Anthony. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Likewise. So folks, my guest today, Brian Hartzler, who is the chairman of Before Pay and the author of Leadership Star. Go check out his book, like I said, take the tool, connect with them, learn more about what they're doing. And if you're trying to get your kid on the property ladder, you know, check out his startup as well. So this has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name's Anthony Taylor. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time. 